Hello, people. How are you? Uh, we are back today with another episode of WT Fada. I am one half of your hosting duo, Ron Beak III, and I am joined here by Mr. John Callahan. John, how are you? What's up, man? I'm doing well. You're doing, doing well, well today. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice fall day, nice crisp fall day. It's wonderful. It, it is crisp. Also, I noticed something today, and I'm a little bit disturbed. Uh-oh. I don't know if you noticed it, too. Have you noticed how hazy today has been? Yes, and actually, I how have. how strange <laughs> the sun has looked? Mm-hmm. Do, do, you, do you know why? I, I have a theory as to why it looks the way that it looks today. Oh, I know why it looks the way it looks today, but what's your, what's your theory? Well, I don't know. I Oh, oh God, I, I feel like... I'm either going to be right or completely wrong. Okay, <laughs> so I think that based on the fires in California, that there is a large amount of ash in the sky, that, and there's enough particulates that it's actually subtly changed the color of the sun and has attributed all of this haze. Yes, that's exactly... That is yeah, so messed exactly up. Holy yeah, smokes. I've seen stuff all online about that, that the uh, smoke from all those fires is reaching the East Coast, which is fucking wild, man. It's crazy. It really is insane. And, like, I, you know, a lot of people have been talking about the Blade Runner 2049 look to, um, to L.A. right now. Um, it's pretty disturbing, like, mm. the, <laughs> the um, environmental impact of what's going on right now. That's terrible. There was a picture of, um, I forget what stadium it was, some baseball stadium, but it was with, it was like an orange hazy sky, and mm-hmm. it was all, you know how they, they had the fake crowd up there? Yeah. And it was just like this very, like, doomsday type photo. It was insane. <clears throat> Surreal. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's disturbing, like, the type of shit that's going on mm-hmm. in the world. 2020's <laughs> just been like a, a ball kicker. It's been rough. Yeah. It just doesn't seem to be letting up. No, it just, like, it keeps getting more and more, I don't know, like, it's just how much worse can it get, you know what I mean? And, and, like, every year, those California fires, like, they get worse every year, Mm -hmm. you know? And to the point now where it's, like, so many people are just, like, it's like a mass exodus from California. People are just like, nope, done, because it literally is turning into, like, some type of, like, hellscape, you know? Exactly. <coughs> it's quite quite sad. I think they have some pretty strict COVID restrictions out there, right? Yes, they do. People leaving too. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of people can't work, which, you know, in the shorthand makes a lot of sense, but also, like, it's tough for those, for, for people living there to live, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just really, um, it's kind of upsetting, you know? Yeah, I listen to a lot of like a lot of <clears throat> Joe Rogan's podcasts and Bill Burr's and everything mm-hmm. that's talking about like this mass exodus of comics that are, are leaving California right now. California was never really good for comedy, anyways. You get too laid back, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, they're talking about uh, you know since we have all this technology now, it's like we don't need to be as centralized as we used to be. It's right. Like, yeah. You know, they don't need to be stuck in New York. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. 
it's a very different um the internet's really like revolutionized the way that we handle things you know right, so right. pretty fascinating um that being said uh tonight's episode today's episode of wt fada is going to be kind of a it, it's a huge topic that we're going to try to condense as much as possible into this show so i think i think i want to cut the off topic like extremely short yeah man that works for me i mean we could always do this like a two-parter too yeah potentially we'll, we'll see what we can cover we got some stuff coming up i'm i'm you know, but it's flexible yeah we'll see what happens all right but we're gonna throw to commercial right quick save you guys the details of our lives and uh yeah we're gonna get into it all right so yeah, hang on it. tight From the beginning of human history, when cavemen scribbled pigment on stone walls and early men gathered around the campfire, through the ages to modern day, full of superhero blockbusters and Netflix and chill, one thing unites us still, storytelling. So tune in to W.T. Fada's new sister show, What's the Story, where your hosts, Kayla and Ron, discuss the art and elements behind storytelling, covering everything from character development and plot devices to what it means to be human. Available now on Anchor, Spotify, and other listening platforms, dive further into the WT Fauna Network. Join us. We can't wait to share our stories with you. Okay, John, uh, I get to ask you my favorite question. What the fuck are we talking about? Here's how about Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper, That's yeah. That's what used to call me. The... <laughs> my nickname was Jack, and I farted a lot. <laughs> that's, that's not the same reason that Jack the Ripper is called Jack the Ripper, but okay. Uh... I like my version better. It's a lot, <laughs> believe it or not, it's a lot cleaner. <laughs> it's like I farted and a prostitute smelled it. And then she, like, was instantly disemboweled. Just, blam! Like, that's how bad it stunk. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, yeah, so Jack the Ripper's kind of, like, the, the, the biggest true crime unsolved mystery that's ever existed. It's, uh, it's huge. Um, and one that I have always been fascinated by, um... And it's interesting. I feel like my relationship to true crime has changed a lot with age, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, How so? I, I don't know. It's like, I guess it used to be more, I guess I used to be more interested in the killers and like what, what caused them to do the things that they did, mm-hmm. right? And now, I don't know, it's like now I think more about the victims and I, I don't I'm I guess I, I've I've the needle has moved more for me where I don't think about these things abstractly anymore I really think about the human element to mm-hmm. it and I think about like this is the first time I've ever read about the Jack the Ripper murders and actually like had problems reading it you know like mm-hmm. this is the first time that it ever really like where I ever like really got upset 
about what I was reading mm -hmm. because I was really just thinking about the lives of those women, you know, mm -hmm. these women that were, you know, they were prostitutes, um, trying to, you know, make a living, uh, you know, it goes without saying that they, you know, weren't well off, you know? Right, right. Um, so they were putting themselves in this position because of, you know, there's there's always a, an inherent risk if you're a prostitute, but there's also the reward, you know, which is being able to kind of sort of support yourself and the women in Whitechapel, which is where the, the murders happened, were so impoverished that this is what they had to do. And then there was someone out there that was hunting them like they were animals. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. This is the first time I, I ever read those things. And, you know, I, I really wasn't looking at it abstract. I wasn't thinking of it like a story. I was really focusing in on the idea that, like, these were people who had lives. And what was done to them was just so monstrous. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It really, this time I, I really got, like, shook from it, you know. It really bothered me this time more so than it has before you know right. not not to say that i never not to say that i didn't recognize what was happening was horrible but I, I think i really my mindset really flipped into a place where i wasn't thinking about what was i wasn't thinking about the murders like in a very clinical way i was thinking of them in a in an emotional way you mm -hmm. know and it really changed my experience of reading about them you know yeah, it's awful. Man. I know. I think the you know the older we grow and you know when we're younger, we kind of feel invincible. Yeah, you know, we feel like life is permanent. And the older you grow, you, your own mortality kind of set in, and you, know, you start to see those things differently. Before, like you said, you know it's more about the killer. Like, why would someone do that? This and that, this and that. And then you know you, you feel like you kind of get more human and grounded the older you grow. So it's like hits home a little more. Yeah, I also think, too, that, like, my my interest in true crime was always kind of an obligation. Like, we all have dark thoughts, right? So, like, I would have dark thoughts, and I would want to know where they were coming from. Mm -hmm. So, to me, like, investigating true crime, it was almost like a... Like, where did these people succumb to those things? Right. You know? Like, uh, I'm trying to understand, like, you know, like, like, you know, not that I, I don't know. I've always felt like I've been under control, but there's, like, parts of me that I'm uncomfortable with, you know? And I just, reading about that stuff allows me to be like, okay, these are the things that I don't want to have happen, mm -hmm. you know? And I don't know, maybe at this point in my life I feel like I've settled it. Like, I haven't killed anybody yet, so I won't... <laughs> So now I've moved on to the other side of that coin, which is uh, the victims, you know. And now I really am, I'm really focusing in on like a much more human element to it, which is, um, I don't know, nice. It felt, it felt horrible reading about the things, but it also felt nice to feel like, oh, I guess I've reached some determinations about myself and what I will and will not do. So now I feel 
I just feel more comfortable with me. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. These are things that like most people would never want to admit, but I'm admitting them, and I don't know if I'm weird. I might be weird, but I I, I did manage to not murder anybody. So I feel like that's good. We've known each other for quite a while now. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Sure. How close have you come to killing me? To killing you? Yes, to murdering me. Well, I'm... it used to be fairly infrequent, but now it's like once a week. <laughs> right? Stuff seems to be more often there, and you're like, you know what? This fucking guy sucks. Yeah, it's weird. Wow. Really, there's been an uptick invo involving you in, in these pervasive dark thoughts. I love it. Um, <laughs> uh, you know what? Please do. I, I, I reached, At this point? I've reached 30. I've done what I That's came it? to do. And, you know, Ma'am, you I'm didn't ready. talk about that in the off-topic, but happy birthday oh, to you. Me. Thank you, man. We're five days apart. Yeah. Yeah. Five days apart. It's crazy. Dirty, thirty together. Oh. Thirty, thirty in twenty twenty. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot to think about. Um. So yeah, I mean, I guess what I want to do is kind of do an overview of what all happened with Jack the Ripper, all please, this shit. Please do. Um, and then I have some suspects written down, but. Honestly, like, the, the list of suspects is, like, not even a mile long. It's, like, two or three miles long. Like, everybody Jesus. that lived in England was a suspect. If you were living in England <laughs> and had a penis, <laughs> you were a suspect. Yeah. And actually, even if you didn't have a penis, there's even theories, like, that it's Jill the Ripper. It's really? not Jack. Hmm. Yeah. That, that, that's been thrown out there as a possibility, which I flatly, I just don't. All right, let's talk about Jill the Ripper really quick, okay? So, I think that women are capable of pretty horrendous crimes if they if they want to. Everybody right? is, of course. Oh yeah, anybody. But just based on what I know about female killers, mm -hmm. uh, I just don't I I don't look at the type of savagery that's on display and feel like I attribute that to a female killer. Right, right. Like a female killer might hurt somebody in a way that's that brutal like there's somebody there's there's a woman that they threw out there as a possible suspect that like she was arrested for having uh like caved another woman's skull in right Holy shit. yeah which is pretty intense but also potentially a single blow you know what i mean like a single blow with a heavy object or you know, dropping something on that person's head or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas Jack, there's many, many different cuts made, you know, in rapid succession, you know, mm -hmm. in a short amount of time. Um, and I, I'm not saying that a woman wouldn't do it, but I, I would feel, I feel almost like a female killer wouldn't inherently be interested in what Jack was doing. You know, it feels like a very male crime and a very, like, sexual crime uh -huh. in nature. Because, you know, you already have, like, a victimology where your victims are sex workers, right? So the initial... You could, you could make the case that it could be a woman posing as another prostitute and being like, oh, like, I'm scared to be out alone or whatever and, like, come with me down this dark alley, you know, because of Jack the Ripper... 
and then she turns around and like slashes the other prostitute's throat or whatever, you know? So like maybe that would make sense, but it definitely feels like more of a reach. Whereas if you say it's a man, the man says, I have money, follow me down this this dark alley, and the woman says, of course, you know? Mm-hmm. So that just, it's cleaner to me, makes more sense. Um, but yeah, the first murder. So there's a bunch of murders uh, involving uh, prostitutes in Whitechapel, um, which was a very, very poor area of East London. Um, and so there's a bunch of different murders, but some of them are, are not, uh, they don't feel like they're really connected, right? So um, usually most people that talk about Jack the Ripper, they point to there being five murders. They call them the canonical murders, mm-hmm. right? These are the ones that they absolutely 100% feel are the work of the same exact killer based on method of, of kill and progression you know like there's never a step back everything is escalating 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 until the final canonical victim and then but we'll get to what happens after that but the first murder is of a woman named mary ann nichols who's also called polly um so she is discovered at 3.40 a.m. on a street called Bucks Row. This is the 31st of August in 1888, right? This was the first one discovered, the very first victim. Yeah, the canonical. So the very first canonical victim. All right. Um, So she's seen one hour before um, by somebody named Mrs. Emily Holland, who I guess was a former acquaintance from a lodging house in Spitalfield. So um, these lodging houses, they basically are places where, like, you pay for a bed for a night. They're not even, like, hotel rooms, but they're, like, these gigantic rooms that have, like, coffin-sized boxes with mattresses in them, and you pay to sleep there. So they're very much, like... Like, a, imagine, like, a like a very super transient lifestyle. You're living in a city, but you actually never know where you're going to sleep at the end of the day. So, like, some of these women are working just so that they have the security of being able to lay down at the end of the night and actually close their eyes instead of living on the streets, like, in an alley or something, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's pretty bleak, the whole East End Whitechapel thing. Very, very sad kind of society that they have. Right, right. Um, but yeah, she's seen, she's walking, it didn't say that she was with anybody, um, but she was walking in the direction of Whitechapel Road, um, when they found her, um, she has her throat slashed by two deep wounds, okay, and I guess one of them is so deep that it actually went straight down to the vertebrae, so it was like almost... If it had, if it had slipped between the vertebrae, probably could have been a decapitation. Mm-hmm. You know, it was pretty fucking disturbing. That's intense. Yeah. Um, there's some details of this that I like, kind of don't want to talk about, but I don't know. I don't know how far. I, I, I it's weird. It, it's so hard to like actually like 
it's so hard to actually talk about like some of the things that went on. It's just so disturbing. Mm-hmm. But uh, in her case, there was genital mutilation. Oh no! I'm not gonna like really get into it. I don't yeah. really feel like I want to. Um, her abdomen was partially ripped open by a deep jagged cut, and some of her intestines were actually like protruding from that wound. Um, it's fucking disturbing. So this is Friday the 31st of August, 1888. Mm. <clears throat> um, now a week later, one week, Saturday the 8th of September, at 6 a.m., near the doorway to the backyard of 29 Hanbury Street, Annie Chapman is found. Uh, again, like a signature, uh, two deep throat slashes. Um, her abdomen was cut entirely open. Um, a section of the abdominal flesh was placed above her left shoulder, and then another section of flesh from the abdomen, uh, plus her small intestines, were placed above her right. Um, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, again, there were genital mutilations, um, and actually sections of the reproductive organs were actually taken away from the scene. They didn't find them. Um, a woman by the name of Elizabeth Long saw her alive and well outside of 29 Hanbury Street at 5.30 a.m. Uh, she was accompanied by a dark-haired man. He was in a deerstalker hat. A deerstalker hat is essentially what they used to put, uh, like, Sherlock Holmes in. That one that has, like, the brim on the front and back. Oh, yeah, yeah, Those yeah. Ones. I know what you're talking about. Um, so, so, yeah. So, she's near, she's found near the doorway to the backyard of 29 Hanbury Street at 6. And then a half hour before that, at 29 Hanbury Street, uh, she's seen by Elizabeth Long in the company of this man. So, deerstalker hat, dark overcoat. She called him Shabby Genteel, which is a very strange thing to say because shabby is like, you know, thrown together, you know, kind of like ramshackle. Genteel is like a way of saying that this looked like an upperclassman, you know? So, it's a weird visual. It's like somebody that looks... Like, they're upper class, but is in some way disheveled. I didn't... I, I, I feel like it's a very strange description. Yeah, I was going to say, um, that sounds pretty odd. <laughs> she even overheard bits of a conversation between Miss Chapman and this man. Mm-hmm. Uh, all she heard was the man say, will you? And uh, Annie's response was, yes. And then 30 minutes later, she's found dead. So... Probably a conversation about, you know, yeah, prostitution, you know, <laughs> like, I want this, 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 and this, will you? And then she said yes. Um, yeah, sounds like it. So, there's a, there's a letter that is sent. It's dated the, so, all right, hang on. Let's just take a second, make sure we get all our ducks in a row. All right, the 8th of September is when Annie Chapman's murdered, okay? The 25th of September is when a letter is postmarked 
uh, and this one becomes known as the Dear Boss Letter. And in the Dear Boss Letter, it's very, very prideful and boasting about the work. Now, one of the things that you need to understand about the Jack the Ripper killings is just that there were so many letters sent by so many people during this time period that were claiming to be Jack the Ripper. So it's kind of a it's kind of a messed up situation because the police are trying to figure this out. Uh-huh. But they're being inundated with way too much information. Everybody has a tip. Everybody's like, "Oh, I knew Jack the Ripper because of this, this, this and this. He lives over here." You know, everybody's claiming that they know him. Mm-hmm. And then there are people that are sending in the letters and claiming that they are him, right? So it's like this big smoke screen where you can't see what's real and what's not. Now, over the years, a lot of these letters have, like, disappeared into the ether, right? But there are some letters that have stood the test of time, and in hindsight are the ones where people are like, okay, maybe that's something, right? Uh The Dear Boss letter is one of the ones that people go, okay, maybe that's something. So, Dear Boss, um, I'm going to insert into this episode, I'm going to read... Uh, the Dear Boss letter, right now. Dear Boss, I keep on hearing the police have caught me, but they won't fix me just yet. I've laughed when they look so clever and talk about being on the right track. That joke about Leather Apron gave me real fits. I am down on whores. And I shan't quit ripping them till I do get buckled. Grand work the last job was. I gave the lady no time to squeal. How can they catch me now? I love my work and want to start again. You soon hear of me with my funny little games. I saved some of the proper red stuff in a ginger beer bottle over the last job to write with. But it went thick like glue and I can't use it. Red ink is fit enough, I hope. <laughs> the next job I do, I shall clip the lady's ears off and send to the police officers just for jolly, wouldn't you? Keep this letter back till I do a bit more work, then give it out straight. My knife's so nice and sharp. I want to get to work right away if I get a chance. Good luck. Yours truly. Jack the Ripper. Don't mind me giving the trade name. P.S. Wasn't good enough to post this before I got all the red ink off my hands, curse it. No luck yet. They say I'm a doctor now. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, Dear Boss Letter, (laughs) very, very disturbing. Uh, Very spooky. Um, that was quite the letter there, man. I don't know how to make what, what, to, what to make of that. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy, right? What I think is the interesting part of it. All right, there's a couple of interesting things, right? Number one is the sign-off is the first time that anybody uses the the name Jack the Ripper. It's the first time. Huh. So, Jack the Ripper is used in that letter, and also a very, very particular detail is brought up, which is. The idea that Jack is intending to snip off the ears of his next victim, right? Um, so 
you know, just a disturbing thing. But in retrospect, it's going to be kind of almost a confirmation of what's coming next. Uh-huh. Right? So, uh, on the 30th of September, this is five days after this postcard is sent through the, ma- the mail, right? Um, at Dutfield's Yard off of Burner Street, at 1 a.m., a man named Louis Dimeschutz, which I kind of like that name. Louis Dimeschutz? Yeah, Louis Dimeschutz. Louis Dimeschutz. Or Louis, Louis Dimeschutz. Dime I like shoots? that one. But he is, uh, he discovers the body of a woman outside of uh, a building. And it's very nearby where, I think it's the building where he works, if I remember right. Mm. Um, he discovers her and he becomes fearful for his wife because he, he doesn't really look, but he's concerned that she might be the, uh, the body, you know? Oh, no. So he runs inside. He talks to somebody he works with. He says, I can't tell if a woman outside is dead or drunk, uh, but she's laying on the ground, and I, I'm too afraid to look. So the other guy goes out and sees her. Um, it turns out <coughs> that this is the body of Elizabeth Stride. Um, now... This is what's weird, okay? Um, Elizabeth Stride is killed by a single slash to the throat. It's six inches long. It severs her carotid... Her carotid... Uh, carotid artery? Carotid artery. Carotid artery. Say it six times fast, guys. Carotid artery. Carotid artery. I can't do it. Carotid artery. There we go. So, it severs her carotid... Dude. <laughs> Carotid artery? Carotid artery. Carotid artery. <laughs> and, her, and her trachea before terminating beneath her right jaw. All right? Um, now, several witnesses claim to have seen her in the company of a man at various points through the evening, evening but all give different descriptions of this man. So... To me, I think these people are nobody. Like, these people are people that are associating with a prostitute for obvious reasons. Mm. And none of them are probably an accurate depiction of this killer, right? Um, So, what's weird about this is it's a single slash, right? Whereas the other ones were a double. Um, However, this night, the 30th of September, 1888 is known amongst people that are interested in Jack the Ripper and people that study Jack the Ripper. They call themselves Ripperologists. This is known to them as the night of the double event. Double event? Yes. Because, because, um, this is 1 a.m. and Stride is killed, but by a single slash to the throat. So they think that it's very possible that Lewis... Dime shoots uh, actually interrupted Jack before he was able to do what he wanted to do. So Jack was like, "Well, shit," and he took off. And then he was like, "Well, I'm I'm not finished. I want more." So he left that scene and he found himself uh, in Meter Square. All right. Now 
this is the site of uh, this is where they discover the body of Catherine Eddowes, another prostitute. Um, this is a weird one. So there's a, a, a local like cigarette salesman, I believe they described him as, is Joseph Vawend. Uh, um, he saw a fair-haired man of shabby appearance with somebody that he thought was Catherine Eddowes. He was with other people, and those other people said that they did not see this individual. So it's something that, if it did happen, he's the only one in his party of, like, five people that actually did witness that person. Um, but it's at 1.45 a.m. where Edos is discovered by a police officer named Edward Watkins. Uh, he is the beat officer. So you know how, like, cops have, like, a beat that they patrol? Mm -hmm. He is the beat officer for Meter Square. Um... Now, this is at 1.45 that he sees her, right? But he says that he had been back through there at 1.30, right? Like, his beat was about a 15-minute walk in a circle, right? Mm -hmm. So at 1.30, he went through Meter Square, nothing. At 1.45, he goes through Meter Square. A woman is completely mangled in the southwest corner of it, mm -hmm. okay? Um, also very strange to me is that at 1.40 another police officer had walked by, uh, this being police constable James Harvey and James Harvey at one at 1.40 says he didn't, he walked by Meter Square, he was able to look into it um, but he did not see anything amiss and he didn't hear anything amiss so <clears throat> there's two ways to look at this I don't know what his viewpoint was from that direction, right? But it's either that he literally, like, there was a blind spot where Catherine Eddowes was laying and he wasn't able to see her because of that. Or all of this stuff that happened to Catherine Eddowes happens in the span of about five minutes. Like that. Later on, the guy that performs the autopsy is going to say that he thinks it took about five minutes to do all of this to Catherine Eddowes. Man, how do you figure that shit out? I don't know, but I, <laughs> I, I disagree with that finding. I feel like, I feel like a lot of these guys were like putting on their detective hats and being like, oh, well, you know, blah, 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 yeah, and like saying the these things. And I don't really think that it, I, I think what is more likely is that James Harvey walked by the thing and the murder had already happened. Like, I think that when Edward Watkins walked by at 1.30, the murder had yet to happen. I think that when James Harvey walks by 10 minutes later, the murder has occurred. And he just, just doesn't see her, right? Mm. Even It could even be him walking by, the sound of his footsteps walking by, that ends the assault. It could be the thing that Jack is like, well, I'm fucking out because I don't want to get caught, you know? Um, so... Let's see. Uh, there's also multiple... This is a weird one. There's multiple people, including George James Morris, who's an ex-policeman, uh, George Clapp, a night watchman at 5 meters square, an off-duty policeman, Richard Pierce, at 3 meters square. And all three of them say that they had noted nothing unusual 
that they're all in very close proximity of where her body is found. <laughs> and they heard nothing. They didn't hear a scream, didn't hear anything. It was what? like, it's just bam. I know! I'm glad that you said that, because we're going to get to a WT Fada theory Ooh. in a little while. The end of this fucking Hot thing. takes, I love it. We are going to get to a WT Fada theory, because I haven't really heard anybody else talk about it, except one guy that they've discredited, but I still, I'm like, I don't know. I, I have questions about this. Mm -hmm. um, here's where it gets weird. So, uh, Elizabeth Stride is just that single throat wound, right? But I feel like Catherine Eddowes kind of receives, like, rage. And I think she just, I think it's rage that, look, it was already building up. He already wanted to hurt another woman. But I also think that the fact that he was interrupted from the original kill mm -hmm. uh, caused him to really take out his frustrations on poor Miss Eddowes. Um... I'm going to pause that because I don't want to listen to the ice cream man right now. So yeah, Catherine Eddowes, um, the extensive damage that's done to this woman is shocking. And also, it's shocking that it happened on a street because it, it's just such a non-private area. You know what I mean? Like, mm. like uh, she's the first victim that has extensive facial mutilations um the tip of her nose is almost taken clean off of her skull Holy shit. um she has a lot of people talk about these incisions that are made underneath her eyes which look like arrows pointing in an upward direction um and a lot of people have talked about them as being like a like he was designing something like it was it had meaning but no. I read something, and I, I kind of agree with this, which is that they were described as flaps of skin, right? So this isn't one one cut and then a second cut making an arrow. It's one cut with a blade going straight down the face. Yeah. So it, like a hack, and then you wind up with that, that arrow shape, mm -hmm. right? Um, she has a cut that's basically from her jaw all the way up to the bridge of her nose. Um... And she has cuts on her eyelids. Um, some people, again, there's a lot of talk about how, like, they, like, they, they, they talk about it like it's supposed to be like a clown mask, you know, that oh, they... It's supposed to look like one. Yeah, that's what people say. Yeah. But it, it's like you, you see patterns in anything if you, if you look hard enough, you know, like you're always going to find more uh, things that you can connect and be like, oh, man, you know, so... It's easy to spiral out of control when you're seeing things like that and you're trying to make sense of something that's so horrific, right? Yeah. But I honestly, the, the thing that I heard that I thought made the most sense is, sense is that her eyes were probably open. And I don't know if maybe the killer is like shy or something, but they think maybe he used the knife to actually close her eyelids, which would cause the, the faint, you know, scratching on the eyes. Um, okay. So yeah, it's pretty much the two deep slashes, the facial mutilations, there's like maybe like 21 cuts, something like that. Yeah. Um, there, nah, there might be less. I can't remember off the top of my head, but <clears throat> she does have cuts on her face. Um, the real horrendous thing is um, <clears throat> she basically is cut 
from roughly like mid sternum all the way down to like her pubic region um and stuff is pretty well strewn about um like pieces of her uh colon and intestines are off to her i believe it was her right side between her body and her arm that stuff is placed there um there are other things missing from her just like with some of the other women including parts of her reproductive organs um pretty fucking disturbing um, yeah <laughs> it's like, how do you get to a point in your life where you can just do something like that and yeah just, and keep doing it and keep doing it you just don't stop yeah i don't know i don't know but there definitely seems to be a lack of i mean it goes without saying there's a lack of empathy but i also just feel like there's kind of a lack of I go back and forth on this. Sometimes I look at Jack the Ripper stuff and I think that there's like a lack of um, respect for women. Like mm -hmm. it's a complete like misogynistic thing. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I look at Jack the Ripper's murders and I think that there's like an envy or something, you know, associated with it. Like yeah. that there's some type of like rage that it's not, it's not I hate women, but that I, like I I, uh, I don't know how to explain this, but it's even like the thing of like he's taking parts of them, and specifically he's taking parts of them that are related to like precisely to their femininity. Mm -hmm. If you hated women, would you do that? That's like that's a question I have. Like if if you hated women, would you take the parts of them that make them women? Or would, like, that would be the last thing that you would want to do, right? If you yeah. hate women. I don't know. I, I go back and sometimes when I think about it, I think that there's almost like a characteristic to it that feels like vaguely worshipy. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. in its own very sick and disturbing way, there's part of me that thinks that this person actually doesn't expressly speaking hate the women that he's killing. Yeah. You know? I think it's easy to jump to that conclusion when you try to apply like real when you try to apply normal psychology to it you would say that the only reason somebody would do something like that is because they hate women but i kind of lean towards the idea of there being like this abnormal thought process where it's like he's he loves them in a very very disturbing way you know i i, I don't know i, I sometimes i Sometimes I question the motivations. Um, also interesting here is that part of her apron is found at the entrance of a tenement building a little ways away. It's at 2.55 a.m. that they discover this, so roughly an hour and ten minutes after her body's discovered. Um, and this is a weird one. In front of... The, so the apron is, is bloody in front of the door to a tenement building and above the apron written in chalk there's graffiti and the graffiti says uh the jews which is spelled j-u-w-e-s here the jews are the men who will not be blamed for nothing but there's people that think that the graffiti and the apron were left by the same person. And there are people that think that the graffiti was there and that the apron just happened to be dropped there. Mm. 
right? That there's no connection whatsoever. Um, I don't know how I feel about that, but I definitely don't feel like up until this point there's been any reason to suspect anybody of any one particular religion or ethnicity. There hasn't been anything that would point to this person being particularly religious at all. So I, I don't know. That, it's a weird thing that happens. Um, also, the lead investigator uh, was notified of the... Oh, man. He's notified of the bloody shawl and the graffiti, right? And his response is... Uh, wash the graffiti off the wall. The reason he wants to wash the graffiti off the wall is because he's afraid that there's going to be like anti-Semitic riots in the streets because of the killings being connected to Jewish people. Um, so, number one, <laughs> I don't necessarily think like the two were related. Um, you know, like if you if you killed somebody at a KFC, you wouldn't think the colonel did it. You know what I mean? Like, like it would be an unreasonable thing to be like, someone was murdered at McDonald's, so Ronald McDonald had to have done it. You know, it's a weird connection to make. Not too far fetched, but I see, I see your point here. Well, he's done it before. Yeah. Actually, uh, no doubt, many, no many Americans die every year from heart failure, and it partially <laughs> is his fault. So yeah. I would, <laughs> yeah, it is. I fucking throw that out there. Um, so yeah, uh, very, very, it's strange. It's strange. I feel like the entire investigation is a little bit ramshackle, uh, and I don't want to. I don't want to do the thing where I'm gonna like blame the police for mishandling and not. I think that they were completely overwhelmed. Mm. I think that this is the first time that they've ever experienced anything like this. Mm -hmm. Most times, murders that are, you know, considerably savage, right? It's person to person. It's like. It's, it's somebody that knows somebody else and is angry at somebody else, so they do something bad, right? Yeah, that's why I asked how many times you were, you were close to killing me. I'm like, how many times since I've known Ron, mm -hmm. was I, how close was I just to being... It's, uh, it's a lot now, yeah. Yeah, it's that's frightening. Now, yeah. It would be frightening to well, find out that get, information. We should probably get out of the woods and get closer to the public here. Just no, we're case, fine here. You know. Sit down. <laughs> no! Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> so, uh... Yeah, this is this marks also a pretty intense period of rest. Um, this is the 30th of September is the double event, and in the month that follows, there are no canonical Ripper victims. There are none that appear to be from the same person. Hmm. Um, however, it changes on Friday, November 9th of 1888 when uh, basically the, the, the owner of the building that a prostitute by the name of Mary Jane Kelly is staying at, um, he tells somebody he works with to go and collect the rent that's overdue um, from Miss Mary Jane Kelly. Um, that person goes to her door, um, is knocking, uh, and I don't know if he saw her through a window or what, uh, or if the door came open. I think, the, I think that's, that's how I always envision it, is that he's knocking on the door and the door actually like opens. And he sees something that I am very, very sorry 
that anybody saw. Like I, I can't imagine being like, oh, I'm like a worker at a at a at a building, and then discovering something as grisly as this was. Um, Mary Jane Kelly, uh, Friday, November 9th, eighteen eighty eight, ten forty five a.m., thirteen Millers Court, off Dorset Street. She's discovered, and to list off the extensive damage that's done to her, uh, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to fathom. Uh, her torso is pretty much emptied of its organs. Um, uh, her breasts are cut off. Um, they don't even find, they, 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 she's missing several, she's missing new organs, too. Like, her heart's gone. They don't know where her heart went. Um, her face is, like, skinned and peeled and whittled away at to the point that she looks like she's half human, half skeleton. Like, like she's, like, the midway point between human and skeleton. There's mm -hmm. huge sections of meat that have been cut off of her thighs. Um, you can see, like, femur and shit. Um... It is, it is horrible. Some of the worst that you could imagine. And this is, like, you know, why why that like big uptick? You know, it's a big. It's even though what Catherine Eddowes went through was horrific. This is a big change. Like this is even this is a step above even that. But this is the first murder that happens inside of the building. This is the first murder that happens away from any prying eyes mm. so there's a comfort there and there's a level of like okay i can take my time and i can do everything that i want to do every single thing that comes to mind that i want to do i'm gonna do um yeah uh it's very very disturbing and in, in the in all the true crime that i've seen or witnessed it's definitely the most it's the most gruesome. It's, it really is a, a testament to hate or something. I don't know. So they have no idea like, where this woman's heart is, her internal organs, the, miss, the missing pieces of meat. I think, that, I think that a lot of stuff was around the room. Like her, oh. her liver, I, th I think her two kidneys, which is a theme. He's taken kidneys before. Um, but her two kidneys are actually underneath her head, um, like along with, I think, her left breast. Her left breast, and there might have been something else that's placed under her head. Yes, exactly, like a pillow. Um, but her heart, I think, is one that they think actually left the scene. Mm. They couldn't find it. I believe uh, there's a comic book called From Hell, which is based on all of this. Um, and it's kind of like a historical fiction extrapolation thing. Um, but in that, Alan Moore actually writes a version of events where the heart is actually still in the room, but completely unrecognizable as it's been turned to ash in the, uh, the wood-burning stove. Um, it was, he has it put in like a pot or something, or mm. I forget what it was, because I think at this crime scene, that was another thing that I believe is true. I want to fact check this, and I'm gonna I'll, I'll fact check it, and I'll figure out if I'm right. But I think that there was a pot associated with that wood burning stove that was actually like 
like melted. Like that's how hot the wood burning stove had gotten. It actually like melted the metal of a pot. Hmm. Um, and they like I think in his book he posits that the heart was put in that and then turned to ash. Gotcha. Um, yeah, like a partial cremation or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, 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 when you see there's there's a very well there's one photo that if you look up Mary Jane Kelly you'll see. Um, you can hardly recognize it as being a human. Um, just the amount of brutality invicted, uh, inflicted upon her. It doesn't even look like a person anymore. And uh, dark, real dark. Um, there's also other victims that come up shortly thereafter. So like Rose Millette is one. Um, she was strangled um, on the 20th of December, 1888. Um, is that it? Is that the picture? Uh, that might be a close-up on part of it. That's the one that I'm talking about right there. Yeah, I mean, you can barely tell that that was a person. My goodness. Yeah. It's fucking horrendous. Like, that's... That, her, that would be her right... That's her right femur. Uh-huh. Like, in plain view. Um, brutal. Yeah. Absolutely brutal. Yeah. All right. I guess I'll look into that. Yeah. It's <laughs> one of the... It, it really is. It's And it's... It is, like, gut-wrenching. It's completely <laughs> stomach-churning that somebody would fucking do that to another human being. Um, her neighbors said that they heard her shout out murder at one point. Um, there were two people that heard the scream murder, but then it was followed by silence because mm. presumably the double slash wound to the throat had occurred. Mm. Um, and she no longer could call for help, nor would, you know, if help had arrived, it would have been too late anyway. She would have been dead, mm-hmm. but you would have caught Jack. But it's, it's the East End of London. It's a, it's a bad area. It's not necessarily uncommon for somebody to yell yell out in the middle of the night you know and mm-hmm. i mean maybe if I, I mean i feel like if somebody yelled murder i'd be like uh wait a minute what's going on but also if you were like there's any number of reasons why you wouldn't look right mm-hmm. there's any number of reasons why you would be like i'm scared to go investigate this so i kind of am empathetic to it it's like the whole thing when like they tell it's really disturbing but they tell women not to yell rape. They tell them yell fire. Yell fire, mm-hmm. right. Because people apparently respond to a fire with much more frequency mm-hmm. than if you yell rape. Yeah. Which yeah. is just disturbing. I don't really understand that. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. If I... I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know what's in our psyche that, that determines that. You know, like like what the reasoning is that people would ignore somebody shouting that they're being raped, but they would go if there was a fire. I don't I don't understand it. It's weird. <clears throat> but it's a conversation for another day. I don't really want to get into why that is. Yeah. Too sad. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I wouldn't even know like how to like logically explain it. <laughs> Come to a conclusion. I the only thing I can think is that people are awkward about sex, so rape has a sexual component. And because of that, people would be like, oh, I don't know, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like somebody being fucking attacked. Like, do something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever. Um, 
Alice McKenzie is another one that is found uh, killed 17th July 1889. Pretty far away, but kind of has... Yeah, I mean, Rose Mouet is found strangled on the 20th of December in 1888, but she, like, first of all, it's a strangulation, it isn't a murder. Like, sorry, fuck. <laughs> it's a strangulation, it isn't a stabbing. <laughs> Just to be clear, I do, in fact, categorize strangling someone to death as a murder. I don't want people to think that I'm like, well, if you strangle them, it's not really murder. Uh, but it, <laughs> that, was just a, that was just a mistake. Um, don't read too much into that. Um, I'm not saying strangling people is okay, is what I'm trying to get across. I want you to understand that I don't believe that strangling people is a good thing. Okay? I don't believe you. you I don't... Look in his face now. I don't believe him. <laughs> I feel like I stepped in a beer trap, and now I'm trying to chew my wig off. We really to try to... <laughs> I feel like I'm just trying to get some freedom. Yeah. Just trying to get away from you. Um, so yeah, uh, Alice McKenzie is a very similar murder to the other Ripper victims, but she's not considered uh, canonical. Also, 10th of September, 1889, the Pynchon Street torso is found. This is, as you can imagine, an entire body. No, it's a, it's a torso. There's no legs. There's no arm. Arms? Jesus. There's no head. Okay? Uh, and despite the savagery and mutilation that's inflicted to the torso, there's actually... No genital mutilation, which is a huge difference. It's a big, big difference hmm. from the other Jack the Ripper killings. So you think it was like a copycat that fucked up? <clears throat> no, I, I think it might be a completely separate... I, honestly, when you read the laundry list of people who might have been Jack the Ripper, yeah. you get a pretty clear picture of what London was like at this time. Yeah. Not very friendly to females. Yeah. Lots of people that seem to have problems with women. Mm. Um, so, I think that although this is another savage crime taking place in a relatively small city, uh, I think that it's a completely unrelated thing. Oh. It's just the culture. Mm. It's the culture. That's terrifying. Yeah, I know. It's terrifying for us, white males in America, a century later. But it's like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah. It, it's just so disturbing, the amount of shit that went on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the no genital mutilation definitely seems to be such a stark departure mm -hmm. that it's hard to kind of group it with those other killings. So it seems very much like November 9th, 1888, Jack the Ripper disappeared and was never seen again I mean there's there's reason to suspect that some people think maybe he died right um, some people think that he was incarcerated probably for an unrelated crime he might imagine have been that. institutionalized imagine he got he got caught like stealing a candy bar and got arrested for that <laughs> in my experience people who steal candy bars definitely definitely slaughter women um <laughs> it'd be like it'd be kind of comical if you got caught for like a very very petty crime and got like put in jail from it yeah and they just they go like you have five unpaid parking tickets you're going to jail <laughs> you you parked no idea you parked your horse illegally yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah man uh there's also a theory that he might have gone from england to america 
that he might have picked up and left for a different land. The heat was too hot. He wanted yeah. to go someplace else. But it does present like an interesting problem because in general, serial killers, by and large, they have a really hard time stopping. Because from what I understand, killing is amazing. Very yeah. difficult to stop killing. So once you start, you just, you just can't stop? Once you pop, the fun don't stop. Yeah, That's where that slogan came from. Apparently. Yeah. Well, yeah, that was a feedback from the Manson murders. Yeah, actually, we talked about that last week. Yeah. The woman... Uh, they were like, this is better than sex. Yeah. great. Yeah. It's almost like it's a door that you just should just not open. Yeah. You just don't... You, you know that there's the inherent risk that once you start, you won't be able to... It's like smoking. You don't light up a cigarette because you know that it's like then you're gonna be you're gonna be smoking a pack a day. You know? yeah. The same the same mentality well, applies to people. You know, murdering somebody you know, for the first time. But I get the point you're trying to make. To know? be clear, I'm not saying that people that smoke cigarettes are murdering people. I do, however, think murdering, that people that smoke. I I do. <laughs> I do, however, think that people that strangle that that people that smoke might be strangling people, which again. Is an entirely different thing from murder. Um, so, uh, I guess what I want to do right now is I want to jump into, like, kind of suspects, okay? Because there are some, but again, all of this shit is lost to time. It's, it's, a, very, it's a very frustrating thing to research. I did a lot of research because I did a lot of research on this one. Uh, I, I'm pretty good with true crime stuff and I have a pretty good memory mm -hmm. this is the first time that I ever sat down and I was like let's look at the suspects and I read about so many fucking people and people that were tied to these murders for things that were like why why like there was one guy I, I don't even remember this fucking guy's name and I'm not gonna bring him up but he's he was like a fucking con man Ugh. and a thief and that's the entirety of his record and people were like he fucking did it. Yeah. You know, like, I don't see how you could possibly think that, you know? Yeah, that's right. what people do now. They're Still? Like, like, well, not to that extent, but like, in the, <coughs> the subject of, like, somebody, like, does one thing shitty, and they're like, they must do other things shitty, too. Sometimes, like, that, that was them. sometimes it's completely unfounded, like, Tom Hanks is a pedophile thing. Yeah. Like, that's come out as, like, a big talking point, mm -hmm. and, and it's like, is there any evidence... That that's the case. I haven't looked into it. So There's none. There's none. I, 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 when, I, when I heard that the first time, I was like, okay, I want to know why this is happening. And I looked into it. There's nothing. nothing the yeah. biggest centerpiece that they have. Did you order a pizza? <laughs> I, was, was I ordered I've a pizza. Seen, I never like, looked, looked into it. Into <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I don't know if that was, that was it. Um, but I do know that like the biggest piece of evidence that I read was... He recently applied for and gained Greek citizenship. Yeah, where pedophilia is it's known as a disability. However, that's not true. That piece, <laughs> that crucial piece of evidence, yeah. is not true. So, so at one point they almost passed a bill into law in Greece uh -huh. that was going to categorize pedophilia as a disability. So, you know, pedophiles, they have some type of derangement in their head that causes this. And if you look at the behavior, it doesn't necessarily feel like it's like a it's like somebody that's a gambler. 
You know what I mean? It's something that like they just it, they can try to stop, but they they can't. You know, so I kind of I, I I sort of understand where that mentality comes from, but <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. like I I also think that it's just like you know don't don't do that. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it is really that simple. I think that you okay. just you just if you have like there 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 should be programs in place to try to help people that are like I don't want to succumb to this. Mm. You know, that are trying their best to be like, I had these things swirling around my head and I'm trying to stop having those thoughts. Uh, I do think that that should be more looked at because I don't think that everybody that's a pedophile wants to be a pedophile, you know. Uh, however, I think like making it so that a pedophile can be like, well, I'm on disability. Yeah. I'm no longer working. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm staying at home. Yeah. You know. Uh, it's the it's the always sunny thing. The dude, the the dentist looks like a registered sex offender. Uh -huh. It's that. It's like him being like, uh, I'm, I'm. Uh... <laughs> he's talking to Dennis, and he's like, you know, this is working out great for me. I mean, you're out there taking all of my heat, and I'm in here watching the Disney Channel. Like that's what will happen. You're gonna have a bunch of pedophiles in Greece that are living off of like taxes. But like non, see what I'm saying? Yeah, like I understand why they like were like take that off the fucking bill now. I get it. Uh, but the, that being a reason that Tom Hanks is a pedophile is very, very. It's not. <laughs> so it can't be. I saw that headline. Yeah. No, yeah. it can't be. It's it just isn't true. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It's just a very, very disturbing. Like, <laughs> like the way that people handle, like any bit of news now it, it really runs way wild way fast and there's no fact checking it's just like None. it's just like pedophilia shit. is a disability in greece and they just run with that shit, it, it's shit, like holy shit. shit yeah it's it's disturbing okay so yeah let's jump into some of these suspects there's a couple of them here that i never read about before and there's one of them i never read about before that i'm like oh shit is that the one you think there he is Think so? Yeah, and he has a pretty good alibi for some things that you would think would be like, well, that dude clearly has to be the killer. Like, like it's like when the Zodiac committed his crimes, um, when he shot Paul Stein, who was the cab driver, all right, and he, he climbed into the front seat of that cab to rip off a piece of Paul Stein's shirt. And a lot of people are like, he would have had blood all over him. So here would be, the Zodiac is widely thought to have been a stocky man. Uh, here would be a stocky man. And a lot of people said that he shuffled when he walked, right? So here's a stocky man shuffling away from a crime scene covered in blood. You should have been able to see him. Uh, similar, similar issue with this guy. Um, but a very interesting way to circumvent that suspicion. I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited about this guy. Um, there's so many people, and I wrote down some names that are just bullshit, right? Montague John Druitt, who was a barista. Um, sorry, a barrister. Um, uh, <laughs> he was, uh, all right, he commits suicide in December 1888. And that's when the killing is roughly stopped. So he has to be yeah. Jack the Ripper. Prime suspect. Like, number one, right? Case closed. Done. Major problem. He's gay. Uh, 
I don't think a gay man... I think that gay men are totally capable of serial killing. I just think in general, you serial killer... You serial kill the people that you would most likely fuck. Mm. So, Jeffrey Dahmer's a serial killer. All gay men that he kills, you know? Don't even have to be gay men. Like, there are plenty of serial killers who are gay that preyed on straight men. Mm -hmm. You know? But in general, who you kill is who you fuck. Right? So... A gay man having done all of this horrible shit, I, I don't fucking buy that for a really second. The profile with the uh, with how other serial killers operate. Absolutely not. No. Okay. Usually you can you can kind of it's like you reverse engineer a crime. You know, you get here's your evidence, here's the victim type, and then you start to figure it out. You know, um, so yeah, I. I don't think Montague John Druitt had anything to do with that. Um, there's this guy, Surin Klazowski, right? Um, he was from uh, Congress Poland. He immigrated to London shortly before the Jack the Ripper killings, right? Um, he also worked as a barber in Whitechapel. And his name as a barber was Ludwig Schwalski. These dudes' names suck. Yeah, they do. They're really intense. Like, yeah, they're really weird. Um, so, yeah, he, he called himself Ludwig Schwaski when he worked as a barber. However, however, after he got involved with one woman in London, uh, he changed his name to George Chapman. Now, you may be able to wind back and go, Annie Chapman was one of the victims, right? Um, but this woman... Chapman was completely unrelated. He just stole her name and used it. Um, <clears throat> he was a pretty big suspect for the police. Um, a big part of it was that uh, they felt like he was totally capable of being Jack the Ripper because he had actually poisoned three of his wives. Huh. Um, now, there's a couple things to consider. One is that usually a serial killer chooses a way to dispatch of their victim, right? So, in the case of John Wayne Gacy, when he was killing uh, the young men in the basement of his home, every one of them, I believe, is thought to have been strangled to death. That was his preferred way. Um, so, with Jack the Ripper, it's very much a knife crime. Um... So, poisoning <clears throat> doesn't fit that category at all. But there are a lot of people that argue that these were women that were in his living area. So, you can't... If you poison somebody, you can go, I don't know what happened. And people might not find out. Mm -hmm. If you cut them up into a bunch of little pieces, <laughs> and then you go, it must have been natural causes, yeah. people are probably going to figure out what you're doing. Yeah. So... Uh, <laughs> well, not this police force. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, I. so I don't really like him either. Uh, here's one that's really weird, though. <clears throat> um, this guy, Aaron Kosminski, is a Polish Jew, right? He lived in Whitechapel. This is an important detail, right? Serial killers usually hunt in places that they're comfortable being in. Mm. So... The, the conventional knowledge, the conventional wisdom, is that whoever Jack the Ripper was, he must have lived in the Whitechapel district, 
you know, enough to be very, very familiar with it, enough to be comfortable enough to know, oh, if I take her to Meter Square, I'll have enough privacy to do what I need to do. You know, if I take her to this place, I'll have enough privacy to do what I need to do, right? <clears throat> so that kind of makes sense. In general, most serial killers will kill along a specific route or within their town, you know. Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, yeah. Um, like I would think of truck drivers. Yeah, yeah. You know, truck drivers kind of, all of a sudden you start seeing like bodies pop up all along Route 66. Yeah. And you go, well, to us it seems like a vast distance, but to a truck driver driving cross country, they make that trip. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that becomes their territory. So, <clears throat> interesting. Um, but yeah, he was inst- institutionalized. Um, and there was some evidence that was collected. Um, something that was believed to be the shawl of Catherine Eddowes, hmm. right? And they did DNA analysis on it in 2014. And 2014? In 2014, they did DNA analysis on it. And they found two hits. One was of Eddos, And one was of Aaron Kosminski. Is this the one that you're... <clears throat> yeah. Is this the one that I'm yeah? The one that you think it is? No, I, I'm going to call bullshit, okay? Now, <clears throat> reason I'm calling bullshit is that this is a very, very controversial uh, controversial DNA analysis um, in which the person that did the DNA analysis, uh, they matched, they matched, like, they, 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 they recorded things incorrectly to the point that it narrowed down what DNA it could be to roughly Kosminski, right? Uh, and then later on it came out that, uh, the typo that they had made, it was like a typographical error, caused it to look very certain that it was Kosminski. But in fact, it applied to like 98% of people that lived in Europe. (laughs) So it went from being, it's definitely Aaron Kosminski to it could have been anybody real fast. Then also, but what's weird is that initial study was not peer-reviewed in 2019 it became peer-reviewed and it was actually published in a scientific journal that's one reason why i'm like okay jury's out maybe it could have been you know if they had other eyes looking at it reviewing it maybe that could have been um but i kind of until i get more information i'm gonna say i'm not positive about mr kosminski um john pizer uh (laughs) <laughs> was on the list, but they kind of think that the police sergeant that arrested him, they had, like, a history together, and they think that uh, that police sergeant might have just done that just to get at him, right? However, Pizer's record kind of speaks for itself. It's a little bit a little bit scary. A little bit brutal, yeah. Some knife attacks, so okay. <clears throat> something to it. Um, here's a good one. This is a huge one. Prince Albert Victor. He liked prostitutes, and he had syphilis. There's some people think that he actually lost his mind suffering from syphilis, right? And that it was he who committed the crimes. Um, 
Additionally, there are people that think that Albert Victor's, you know, promiscuous ways actually might have caused him to get someone pregnant. Mm. And then it becomes an issue where the whole, their whole royal society is involved, right? So there's a version of events, and actually it's really well depicted in uh, From Hell, that graphic novel, <clears throat> where the queen actually enlists the doctor, the royal doctor, a man called William Gull, um, to basically snuff out anybody that knows what happened. Huh. And apparently these five women that are killed are people that know what happened. That's the story. But it's widely discredited. A lot of people don't really, um, don't really know, you know. It's hard to, it's hard to know. But it's widely discredited. And I think it's a cool story. It's a very dramatic story, but I don't necessarily believe it. Uh, next person on the list, David Cohen. Um, he is uh, incarcerated at a very, very nicely named, this is the Colney Half Lunatic Asylum, um, on the 7th of December, 1888, okay. which is less than a month after Mary Jane Kelly is eviscerated, mm. right? Um, now, here's the thing. David Cohen is, is really, David Cohen's a weird name, right? So it, it's the most normal of all I was going to say, in that time. Yeah, yeah it's the most normal. <laughs> That's but like David, I, I know like six David Cohens. I think that David Cohen, uh, basically my research led to the idea that this is like a John Doe name, like a cipher. So they wouldn't release the name of the person so they use David Cohen, right? But they think that, remember Kosminski that we talked about? Uh-huh. Linked to the crimes via, you know, potential DNA evidence. Um, well, the guy that was actually David Cohen, they think was a man named David Kaminsky. And they think that Kosminski was accused at the time wrongfully mm-hmm. by the press. And they think that the cops are actually looking at Nathan Kaminsky. All right. Nathan Kaminsky was a bootmaker, lived in Whitechapel. He was also treated for syphilis, like Prince Albert. Um, he was described as violently antisocial when he was incarcerated. Um, poor East End local. He, dis- he displayed violent, destructive tendencies at the asylum. Um, he dies in October 1889, so less than a year after. So again, you have a nice wrap-up of why. So here's... A- this has a nice wrap-up as to why the murder stopped. Mm-hmm. The royal theory has a nice wrap-up as to why it stopped, because they only killed the women that knew about that secret royal child. Mm. Presumably the woman who was pregnant and the child also killed in some way. Um, so that has a good wrap-up. Um, let's see. I thought this guy was interesting, too. James Kelly. He was murdered. Sorry. <laughs> he murdered. Uh, his wife with a knife in 1883, um, she was stabbed in the neck and he was brought to Broadmoor Asylum. Um, but he escapes in early 1888 and then disappears and he doesn't turn himself back in to Broadmoor Asylum until 1927. Wow. Yeah. Um, he died two years after that. So presumably he kind of knew he was at the end of his life and was just like, I'm, I, I've already done everything I want to do. I'm going to go 
back and just clear, live out my days. Clear his conscience. Yeah, I guess. Um, then, this is the guy. This is the guy that has me a little hot and bothered. And I don't. I, this is the first day I read about him. I don't know exactly how I feel just yet, but I'm going to relay the facts to you. So this is the one? This, this is, is the your, one. This is your winner pick here? Yeah, this is the one, and then I do want to talk about a quick theory of mine. Okay. Okay? Well, actually, you know what? Let's talk about the quick theory of mine first. Let's talk okay? about the quick, the quick theory of mine is that this is a, this is a murderer that... All right, the night that Elizabeth Stride is killed, that place where her body is found becomes a fucking horror show, Right? There's everybody. There's journalists. There's 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 doctors showing up to do like a on scene investigation into what killed her. Um, there's a bunch of cops everywhere, right? And there's cops combing out throughout the city, right? But somehow, between when her body's found at 1 a.m. and they think that she was killed pretty fucking quick, it, quickly before her body was found, right? Mm-hmm. They think her throat was slashed. And then the killer was interrupted, and he fucking took off, right? Um, now, somehow, from 1 a.m. to 1.45 a.m. is when Catherine Edos' body is found. Now, you can presume that talking to a prostitute, first, you have to find one, right? Second of all, you have to proposition her, right? And then you have to bring her to a location, Right? All of that happened in a very, very short amount of time. Her body's found at 1.45 a.m. Catherine, uh, uh, sorry, Catherine Edo's body is found at 1.45 a.m. Elizabeth Stride's body is found at 1 a.m., right? So, and it was killed, like, right then at 1 a.m. So, from 1 a.m., he slashes her throat, takes off, walks three-quarters of a mile to the next crime scene, finds the prostitute, propositions her, brings her over, Slashes her throat, rips out her organs, right? This entire fucking thing happens real fast. And keeping in mind that everything's already turned crazy, right? And that there are police all over the place that are looking for somebody on the street. They're trying to find the person that killed the first victim, right? How did he get by all of those people, right? All of those cops that are looking for them. I started having a crazy thought today. And the thought is, was he a cop? Oh, you think so? Because he would have, he could have done it. And then, you know, like maybe, like if it, if it was like in the case of Edos, there's probably blood all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. But if he worked a particular beat, if he had a particular route that he traveled, he could pre-plant things. There's nobody that would know an area better than a cop. Right? So that fits with the whole, like, a killer knows his territory thing. And also, he would be fucking invisible to the people that are looking for the killer. Mm -hmm. So nobody saw anybody on the street because he's one of you. None of your cops saw anybody that looked like Jack the Ripper because Jack the Ripper looks like you. You wouldn't question that there's a cop running down the street because we're all running down the street. Nowadays... Though. Yeah, now it's, it's like very clear. That guy to do that. Yeah, yeah, way ahead of his time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just a thought. Mm. I haven't done any like research into finding out if I'm right, mm-hmm. but it's just a thought. Um, but this guy is he a cop? 
no, he's not a cop, but he's a... he, I, I'm going to get to it. Okay. First, all right, his name is Charles Allen Lechmere. Okay, Charles Allen Lechmere is someone who walks the streets in the early morning hours, right, uh, with a very, very specific job, right? Also, also, he found Mary Ann Nichols. He was the first person on the scene of the Polly Nichols murder. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, his buddy, the person that he called over, the, there was somebody else that was like, what's going on? What's going on? And then he was like, oh, I don't know. I, I, I think this woman's been murdered, right? And at the time, there was no blood around Polly's head. Later on, investigators will say that there's a pool of blood around Polly's head. Head, right? Later on, investigators said that there was a pool of blood around Annie Chapman's head. What is deduced is that her throat was slashed very, very soon after this other guy was like, what's going on? Mm. Because when he got there, there was no blood on the ground. And then when police got there, there was blood all over the fucking place. Which means that this guy that's leaning over her probably fucking slashed her throat. Now, he slashed her throat, but if we go back and we think about what happened with Polly... And when we do that, we see that Polly Ann Nichols is the first victim of Jack the Ripper, and she was mutilated, not to the extent of Miss Eddowes, um, but she was mutilated. And if that's the case, then the person that perpetrated the crime would clearly have blood all over them, and it would be pretty obvious that they were the people responsible for the crime. However, this Lechmere character has a very interesting job that would put him above suspicion because what he does when he's walking in the early morning hours is deliver meat. He is a meat cart driver, a character who has knives on his cart, has blood all over him from butchering animals, and no one would look at twice. Is that how he walks around? Like 100%, you know? He has a meat cart, and also the route that he walked, Mm -hmm. it's within feet. Yeah. Of several of these murders. Wow. Yes. Yes. I have never heard of this guy before, uh-huh. but now I'm like, that all fucking makes sense. He would have been about 40 at the time. He had a non-existent father figure, mm-hmm. which there's an FBI profile that was done years later that says, it kind of says this, this, and this should be in that person's past. It all checks out. It's all there. Char- this, this Charles Lechmere character... And also, when he gives his witness testimony to the police, mm-hmm. he uses a fake fucking name. Wow. He calls himself Charles Cross, which is the, the surname of one of his stepfathers, mm-hmm. of which he had two. So he's given a fake name to police about a murder that he, wit- that he found the body, right? Mm-hmm. It's like he's creating the smoke screen so that Everybody will go, well, maybe it was that Charles Cross guy. And then they're going to start looking up Charles Cross and they won't be able to fucking find him. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of stuff no that I'm like, could it be him? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Other things that I found in my research that I just want to throw out, but the, uh, the whole uh, from hell letter is often, often cited as like it, it, should be, it should be related because it was sent with part of a kidney, which 
they think was actually Catherine Edos's kidney. Um, one doctor said it was like a pretty healthy kidney. One op one doctor said that it was uh, a diseased kidney from somebody who was an alcoholic, which would have been Edos. All of these women were heavy drinkers <clears throat> because their lives were fucking horrendous. You know, like it sort of comes with the territory. Um, but yeah, there's differing opinions from two supposed medical experts about this. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, but basically now people actually think a medical student might have hoaxed that. It was probably one of the better hoaxes because when they examined the kidney, it was like, this is a human kidney. Mm -hmm. that, that, it's not a pig kidney. It's not a dog kidney. This is from a person. Yeah. But a medical student would have access to it. And it seems like everybody in fucking London was writing those letters. Like, there was nobody that didn't, like, try their hand at it, you know? Uh -huh. um, yeah, so I'm pretty blown away by that. That sounds like the most logical one. That, that makes like sense. The most, yeah, it makes the most sense. Fits the profile the most. There's an artist named Walter Richard Sickett. Mm -hmm. And I, I always liked him as mm -hmm. the killer. Um because in his body of work, it's a lot of pictures of prostitutes that appear like they're dead. Um, and he definitely had a very, very strange obsession with Jack the Ripper. Mm -hmm. um, and he even had something that I feel could create the seed of like, oh, I'm going to genital mutilate people. Which is he had some type of problem with his, uh, with his penis, mm -hmm. right? And how they would have had to work on it would have been people would have had to hold him down and he would have been awake oh, no. for the surgery oh, no. when he was a small child um, and I would guess that the people that were holding him down were probably nurses right uh, that would be women um, so I don't know but they do think that like some of the letters are definitely from Walter Richard Sickett but it's like everybody wrote a fucking letter, so it's not conclusive proof. Yeah. They basically matched uh, some of the, the Jack the Ripper letters were written on paper that was not cut to a right angle and was from a small run of handmade paper. Mm -hmm. And it's like Walter Richard Sickett's sketches are on some of that paper, too. It matches perfect. Yeah. But it seems like somebody that was like just... First of all, he had a weird obsession with prostitutes anyways. But then also we know like one of his paintings is called Jack the Ripper's Bedroom, you know, and it's like he had an obsession with the crimes, but I don't mm -hmm. think it's him. But yeah. this guy, this last guy, this Wagemere character, Trump's I'm like, that's man. the one. It's got to be him. I think. I don't know. I, I do want more information about that Kosminski DNA, uh -huh. and I hope someday we'll get a little bit more uh, to go off of. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to be paying attention to that in the future, but... I don't know. It's good shit, man. Yeah. You should, you should get into law enforcement. You're a good detective. <laughs> I, uh, everybody did the, did the legwork for me. Yeah. Uh, I'm just reporting what I, what I found. Right, but right. I definitely, um, I don't know. I, I, I've always been interested in that stuff, in mm -hmm. the true crime stuff. And, and I do think that Jack the Ripper is, it, it's a maze. It's a, it's a puzzle and it's hard to find your way out of. But, and it's tough, man. I just feel like a lot of that stuff has been lost to time. And I don't really think that we'll ever get definitive answers. But I, Wachmere is the first one that I don't feel like it's a... Like, like Lewis Carroll is thrown out 
as a possible murderer, as a possible like Jack the Ripper murderer. And this is the guy that wrote Alice in Wonderland. Like the oh, the shit. amount of people who were on the list uh, of it could have been them, it could have been them and stuff. It's it's crazy, you know. If Lewis Carroll was was guilty of anything, it was you know we talked about Tom Hanks. Same thing, uh-huh. you know. Like Lewis Carroll definitely had a strange obsession with a young girl named Alice, um, in real life. Like, oh, really? Yeah, Alice from Alice in Wonderland is based on uh-huh. a young girl that Lewis Carroll seemed to be infatuated with. Um, so yeah, he's fucking weird, but I don't necessarily think that any of his weirdness translates to you know him being yeah. a murderer, but. Lechmere is the first guy that I'm like, okay, yeah, all right. We'll say it's him. I'm going to give that the WT Fata seal of approval. Yeah, I'll snap my name on that. Yeah. Based I'm on gonna, the information that you had there. Yeah, I'm going to do more research into him, and I want to talk about him again yeah. on the off topic of this upcoming episode. Absolutely. Um, which we're doing Lost. The first season of Lost, which will be really, really fun. I'm, I'm excited, too. I'm, we both have super tight schedules. Um, we're doing our best to like catch up on it and, and like rewatch it. But also that being said, we've seen it. We've seen yeah, the entire I've series probably. Two, yeah. At least be two or three times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And every time a new season comes out, you watch the whole, the, all the other seasons again. Mm. So the first season, probably I've, I've seen the first season half a dozen times, maybe, maybe 12 times, like maybe a full dozen, yeah. but <laughs> Anyways, that's the show for tonight, guys. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Hope that the massive amount of research and uh, how rambly this episode was at least entertaining. <laughs> Feels very, pretty exciting. We were under a time constraint. We moved fast. But I, I really feel like we did some good stuff to here tonight. And also, at this point, John and I are in the dark, in, the, point, woods, in the woods. And I think I see a meat cart driver uh coming towards us and uh we should we should fucking go so we're gonna go all right let's go bye bye ron would like to apologize for any british people who were offended by his uh horrible horrible british voice um i mean i really i i swung for the fences i think some of it was okay i don't know but anyways if you were offended um it's because you listened to this show Hmm.